what I said then is that I would, I would go through whenever I was preaching next, loved, equipped, empowered, devoted, and sent. And the sent would run through loved, equipped, empowered, and devoted. So today we're on equipped. Today we're on equipped. So the first thing I'm going to do is show you the video that myself and John, together with Ben, um, we put together. Um, and we put this on our website and on social media as a way of helping people understand what we mean by loved, equipped, empowered, and devoted, and sent. Then I'm going to expand on uh, some of those points a little bit more. And then I've got something else to show you at the end. And I've also got another worksheet for you. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Anyway, we'll give you that out at the end. But for, for now, get your books out, get your notebooks out, and things like that. And we're going to watch myself and John have a little chat as we talk about getting equipped. John, so we're on our journey now and we're into the second part of our acronym which is equipped. Now we use the biblical verse from Colossians 2 verse 2 and I'll read it. It says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and mind and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So then, John, for you, equipped, how, how do we go about getting equipped as, 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 as people who are part of Freedom Church, but as Christians in general? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I just say, I think that is such a wonderful scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interestingly, Paul writes just before then about how he's absolutely longing and yearning to see every man and woman presented mature in Christ. And, yeah. And that's the goal of equipping. Yeah. Um, so it's both a personal journey, but it's also a corporate journey as well. Mm-hmm. Because um, later on, in, we read in Ephesians, Paul talks about um, the whole church itself coming to maturity, and he describes it like this. He talks about it as being the fullness of Christ. Yeah, yeah. So that's the goal of equipping yeah. what we're talking about. We certainly can't do it on our own, can we? We, we? we can't lock ourselves Absolutely. in a cupboard with a light and a Bible. You know, we, we've got to do it in community. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, there are lots of ways in which God has made provision for us. Um, firstly, and at a personal level, the Holy Spirit has come to live within us. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be the one who actually unveils for us the truth about Jesus, who shows us who he really is. He's the one who's come alongside us to encourage us. He's the one who's come to uh, give us counsel and wisdom. So at a very personal level, the Holy Spirit is active all the time, equipping us. But then we get into these other dimensions. So uh, that bit I mentioned in Ephesians, Paul talks about the body or the church functioning like a body Mm -hmm. where each part does its work and as it does the word says this it builds itself up in love until it attains to the fullness of Christ so there's this beautiful picture just as we have in our natural bodies different members different organs that all have different functions they all play their part and it's only when they all play their part that that the body itself functions in, in life and that's a great picture for the church. Mm, so yeah. that's what we'd expect, yeah. is to see everybody in all their different gifting and diversity and talent and abilities and whatever it is, everybody has some unique contribution yeah. to make. Yeah. So, 
that, that would be our expectation. And then just on a third level, um, and this is really part of that sending mission, mm-hmm. that God has provided people as gifts to the church for this precise goal of bringing the church to maturity. It's sometimes referred to as the fivefold ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And the idea is that these gifted ministries are there to reproduce, if you like, those giftings across the whole body. Yeah. And so we're dependent on one another for in day-to-day life, for our functioning, but we're also dependent on those particular gifts that God's given to equip us and the purpose is to be sent. Yeah. That we're able to bring this incredible gospel yeah. of Jesus to the world. Yeah. And practically, how do we at Freedom Church, how do we look to equip one another? Well, really, we're agents of the Holy Spirit. But uh, we are there to bring encouragement, we're there to bring faith, we're there to bring understanding and wisdom. So the Spirit of God uses us as we meet together, as we pray together. So it's things like Sunday mornings, Sunday things mornings, like life groups. groups, day-to-day contact, yeah, interaction yeah. of life. Yeah. God wants this fullness of life reproduced at every single level yeah. um, of how we interact. Brilliant. Um, and it's wonderful to think, isn't it, that we can actually be that channel of God's wisdom. Yeah, and that's wisdom. a real privilege it is. to, to kind of be be there for somebody to disciple them yeah. uh you know in in, in a lot of ways yeah. i mean the uh, the world out there might call it mentoring but i think discipleship just says something a little bit yeah. deeper than that it's 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 not just about a session here and a session there but it's actually about life together isn't it when we talk about disciple it's not somebody being my disciple or your disciple what we're doing is helping people to be discipled into christ so yeah yeah the one that fills yeah brilliant That's fantastic john Wasn't John good? I didn't really say much in that one, did I? <laughs> Give John a passage and he'll, he'll, he'll talk for a while. It was really good. Thank you, John, for doing that. Um, I'm going to pull out then some, some things that John spoke about there, and primarily that one, uh, the, the kind of bits of scripture from Ephesians, Ephesians 4. So why don't we turn to it, get your Bibles out, and uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, turn your Bibles on, either it'll, either it'll do. Uh, and go to verse 11, and I'm going to go through to verse 16. And we're gonna, I'm going to read this so we can read it together. So I'll give you just a moment just to find that. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Okay. I can see some books still flicking, so I'll just give it a moment. Right, you ready? I'm going to read. I'm going to read. I think I did this from the New Living Translation. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we've all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children, We won't be tossed and and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. 
growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't scripture good? It really is. And Paul, uh, I say it, I'm going to say it in a little while, but Paul really does make things quite simple and clear, I think. We could go on on a number of different tangents just from this, these few verses alone, but I'm going to focus in on how we can get equipped as the body of Christ. So what good gifts mentioned in this bit of scripture has Jesus given us? It's not a trick question. Apostles, prophets, there we go. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So Paul, uh, who's the author of this book, Ephesians, uh, is brilliant. Because like I say, he talks about stuff. He doesn't talk about stuff in convoluted terms uh, and any abstract terms. And in these verses, he's pretty clear. He wants us to understand that God uses you and me and that we all have a part to play. We really do. Whether it's in these listed roles or whether it's something else entirely god has blessed his church with gifts and these gifts are us these gifts are us and these gifts come from us as well god has blessed his church so that means that we are here for one another isn't that good so as a church we are here for one another, first and foremost, because we, we are a means of blessing, as Kathy alluded to, well, didn't allude to, you said it quite directly, we have been blessed, we are a source of blessing, we are a people through which God's amazing grace is displayed, and God's grace is, is this undeserved favor that he gives us, we, if Christ is the head, then we are his hands and feet. We are, as Jesus puts it, a city on a hill. We are each a light shining in the darkness. And do you know what's good about that? When you are a light shining in the darkness, there is no darkness. Because darkness cannot banish light. It's an impossibility. God chooses to work by means of his Holy Spirit through you and me to help equip the church to take the good news out into the world. God equips us for the work. In fact, the gospel, that good news, compels us into action. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 10 and 11, it says this, But wherever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who worked through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or whether they preach, for we all preach the same message that you have already believed. Do you get that? So regardless whether you're an official pastor that gets to stand at the front and preach to you, or whether you're somebody who works really, really hard in another kind of job, you have got the same message to preach. And you will preach it in your own way and in a way that is appropriate to that place that you find yourself. Every single one of you. 
It is not the holy man or woman at the front who has the sole access to what the good news is. Those of us who believe have access to the same good news, the same message, and we each have a responsibility in our own God-given assigned ways to reveal that to others. Amen. Now, listen, when you read this bit of scripture, you might think that that's a little bit of self-importance from Paul. He says that he worked harder than any of the other apostles. And it really is quite an astonishing statement if you just read that. That's the danger of taking some things out of context if you just read that one bit of scripture. In fact, it would be arrogance personified, wouldn't it? If it weren't for this clarifying statement that he makes immediately after that. Yet it was not I, but God working through me by his grace. It is not I, it is God working through me by his grace. And again, wherever you are, wherever you're doing, whatever your, your role is that you're playing, it is not you, but it is God working through you. God, uh, Paul, even, contributed a whole lot to the New Testament. And he worked really, really hard doing that. I'm going to give you a few things that he did. He worked two jobs. He stayed up late. He sometimes went without basic stuff. He cried tears of frustration and sorrow. And he suffered big time for the sake of the gospel, the good news. And yet Paul understands that it is the grace of God compelling him, energizing him, and equipping him for all that he had to do. God equips us. We each have work to do which is incredibly purposeful. And God gives us all the stuff we need to complete it. And it's interesting that in this passage, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul lists gifts which primarily involve revealing, declaring, and teaching the gospel. In fact, Paul understands that these very public roles, these, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they work hard in order to equip the saints, that's you and me, those that have received Jesus into our hearts. This, uh, this preaching, this teaching and proclamation roles, they, they, they matter because it's through them that God does equip his church. And then what does the church do? The church goes out into the world with what they've been equipped with by God through his ministers. It's how he shares the truth of who he is. And this truth, when we begin to understand it right, it should motivate us to live, to serve, and work for the glory of King Jesus and, 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 and help to serve one another. Because then as a natural consequence of that, we become more Christ-like. And it's really important that we serve one another. It's incredibly important. The expectations in these verses, the, the equipping of the saints should result in work, and this work should result in the church being built up. And this building up, I would suggest, has two dimensions. Paul expects that the equipping of the saints will result in church growth. He specifically mentions, in fact, evangelists. But primarily, what he's after is that we will increase depth and rootedness. Again, roots coming back into this thing that over the weeks we've been, talk, we've been talking a lot about roots and roots going deeper. So we will increase depth and rootedness as we walk together. 
you cannot increase depth and rootedness when you walk apart. So how does this look then in practice? Well, maybe God has blessed you with a critical mind. I don't mean a mind that, that is forever putting other people down. I mean just a mind that sees detail, that sees, that sees things that other people might miss. It may be that you've got the capacity to, to grasp and apply difficult theological concepts. Who's that? There's one. There's one. I love talking about theological concepts. And Paul, from the page of Scripture, challenges us to consider whether we're exercising our gifts in such a way as to encourage others. Perhaps God has blessed you with the kind of personality where you're, you're instinctively drawn. People are instinctively drawn to you. That they want to trust, they trust you, they confide in you, and they desire advice from you. And you're not doing anything, it's just who, who you are. Do we all know somebody like that? We, a few nods of the head. I know a number of people that I, they just, they just exude this confidence, and I know I can trust them and I can look to them. Perhaps you've been gifted with brilliant organizational skills. Who thinks they've been gifted with brilliant organizational skills? Go on, stick your hand up. It's by grace, God's grace in you. So stick your hand up and, you know, thank God for the gifts that you've got, that you've got, and that you've got, and anybody else who thinks they've got that. Wonderful. Maybe you have a strong passion for prayer. Who's got a strong passion for prayer? There we go. Fantastic. Maybe, maybe you play an instrument. Are enthusiastic about leading people in corporate worship. Or would love simply to be part of the team. Maybe you'd love to be part of the team. <laughs> you might be a web designer. <clears throat> a gifted artist. Where's Riz? He's a gifted artist. And an expert communicator. You might be a builder, a doctor, an engineer. Perhaps you engage and connect easily with young people. Maybe, maybe you've got a particular gift and an exceptionally compassionate heart for the poor. Maybe God has gifted you in a multitude of those ways. The most important question that we should be constantly asking ourselves is, are we using those gifts then, which God has given to us to minister to others and to build his church which leads to advancing his kingdom, which means people are going to heaven. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, kids work teachers, youth leaders, life group leaders, administrators, and so on and so on and so on. God, together, God equips us for action. So let's explore a bit more of this Ephesians passage. Paul stresses that we would all come to such unity in our faith. And John talks about this in the video. And that we would all desire to have more knowledge of God's Son. Now, earlier in chapter 4 of Ephesians, there's already been a challenge to believers to maintain and pursue a unity grounded upon the reality of who God is and the truth of the gospel. We are called, it says, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We are called to make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. Isn't that brilliant? So it's the spirit of God who brings unity and peace. And let's face it, if we took God out of the equation, we'd be pretty quick to fall out with 
probably over the most petty of things. Our call as believers is to cooperate and work in accordance with this spirit-given oneness, this togetherness. This is what is amazing about the church. There are some of you who I would never have crossed paths with, nor in a million years. Would I ever have had regular cups of coffee with Mr. Dr. John Barge over there? He's somebody who would have been out of my social demographic. Yet because of the church, because of the Spirit of God, we come together and he crossed my path and we are brothers in the faith and we have good times together and we build and equip one another. I can say that about a number of other different people. I'm just picking at John because he's the tallest. Actually, 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 Dan's quite tall here at the front. So maybe, I, maybe I should have picked Dan. But isn't that brilliant? Isn't that, again, what, what is so good about the church and about coming together is that our common ground is Jesus and the Holy Spirit bringing us together in unity. So good. So good. Paul is being really clear that unity is the key to everything. God gives us these ministry gifts of revealing and declaring and teaching so that, that, that his church might grasp and live together in this unity of faith. And that we all believe and hold on to God and the truth of the gospel. But why should we hold on to the truth of the good news, the gospel? Why should we hold on to that? Because I tell you why. Because it really matters what we believe. It really matters what the wider church believes. Understanding well what we believe, maybe this is going back into my apologetics thing, I don't know, really affects how we behave with one another. So if we have an odd view of God, a legalistic view of God, you can do this, you can do that, it's all black and it's all white, then how will that affect how we behave with one another? Think on this. Within the body of Christ, you might hear teaching. You might. I might have heard it, which encourages division and disagreement over really what is peripheral, non-fundamental stuff. That people will refuse to work with other people because of some fundamental, non-peripheral stuff. I'm actually not going to go into detail what I think those are. I think if you start to think about it, you can start to put that list together in your head. But really, it's about the good news. It's about Jesus Christ bringing us together. Do we believe he was the son of God? Do we believe he died on the cross? Do we believe he rose again? And because of that, we can now live and have an eternal life in him. Do we believe that? That is fundamental. Everything else, let's have a conversation about. But that is fundamental. What about small groups? That instead of encouraging togetherness of unity, start to become forums for gossip and criticism. Or maybe there's corporate worship, which, if we're not careful, can easily become exclusive and self-indulgent. This is when we have an odd view of who God is. I think a test of whether we're walking in the truth of unity is whether our relationships with other people build up and encourage do our relationships with other people build up and encourage? Do they bring together a focused, grounded in the good news, faithfulness? Do they bring that out 
of who we have relationships with. I think I've got some questions to challenge us. Is the glory of Jesus our highest goal? I would hope that's the answer, but it's a question to ask. Is the glory of Jesus our highest goal? Do we reflect Christ in such a way that we encourage people to seek after and energetically pursue Jesus themselves? Do we help others read and understand the word so that they might grow in their knowledge of Jesus? Do we search the scriptures ourselves, desiring to see him more clearly and to know him more deeply? Do we desire to know Jesus more deeply? Do we hunger to learn new things about Jesus? Do we truly love Jesus? Questions to ask. Questions to keep you on track. Questions to have Jesus at the heart of all we do. Let's continue to look at this Ephesian passage. It says, this will continue, that is the building up of the church and the equipping of the people, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. So as believers, we are to minister and to work so that the church might attain full maturity. The gospel at its heart requires an individual response. Honest answers to those questions I've just asked. Yet, even though they're important, and and those questions are important, we can fall into the trap of focusing on our own spiritual well-being to the neglect of the health of the wider church. And if we're not careful, we can become victims of consumerism, which is both damaging to ourselves and to the church. We, we, we start to fixate too much on our own needs and we, we begin to neglect the needs of others. And in terms of the local church, we start to ask questions that in and of themselves aren't bad questions to ask. It's just whether they become the be-all and the end-all and that we simply bring problems rather than trying to be part of the solution. Am I being fed? Are my spiritual needs being met? Am I happy here? Now, they're not bad questions in and of themselves. Like I say, it's just when you begin to fixate on them and they become the be-all and end-all of of what's important of being part of a church community. Can you see how they're very consumer-driven questions? This fixation sometimes upon ourselves can lead us to drop ministries, to, to switch churches. And to chase a spiritual experience from one conference to another in some kind of ill-informed pursuit of what we believe to be true maturity. My kids don't go, I've had enough of this family today. I'm going to go join the one across the street because they do breakfast a little bit better. We don't do that. Your family doesn't do that, does they? I know, Dad, I wake up one morning and go, oh, I can't be bothered to deal with my kids today. I'm going to go somewhere where I don't have any responsibility. We don't do that, do we? And so if we're a family, we work the best we can. We work together. We work through things. We try and bring solutions rather than being part of the problem. Sometimes, sometimes it just does get to a point where your vision and the church's vision are just not aligned anymore. And that's fine. And you go and you need to be part of somewhere else where you can function more effectively. But, but I say that is a very last resort. Our first port of call is, can we sort this out? 
as brothers and sisters in the faith, can we work this out in a Christ-like manner? Paul provides an answer, I think, to all this. Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Until we all come to such unity in our faith. Let's get interested in that word all. Let's, let's get obsessed by all. Because true Christian community, or true Christian maturity rather, is worked out together in service of one another. True Christian maturity is seen as we lay down our priorities and, and our privilege for the good of our brothers and our sisters. True Christian maturity is seen when we forgive when we are wronged and we repent openly when we wrong others. True Christian maturity is seen when we love like Jesus loved and we lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Let's look at this final part of Ephesians. It's from verse 15. Awesome. Let it rain, Lord. (laughs) We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He doesn't make the whole body just about fit. He doesn't just make the body, if I budge that there and dodge that there, I can kind of squeeze it together. He makes the body fit together perfectly. So when Jesus is at the heart of everything that we do, unity flows, we work together, we are his church, maturing together. As each part does its own special work, you've got your own special work to do. You are special You are special, and you've got your own special work to do. That's amazing, isn't it? That's cool. Listen, I want to say something. If you don't, if you're not kind of taking some of this to heart, because Paul said it and Jesus hasn't said it, I want to say this: the Bible is the Bible, and just because it isn't in red letters doesn't mean it hasn't got any more, any more or less authority than what Jesus said. It's in the Bible. It's in the divinely inspired Word of God. You are special. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the key, isn't it? That's at the heart of it, that the whole body is full of love. Note that it says as we speak up and speak out in love, we, the church, grow up. But consider what we're growing into, will you? We're growing into Christ who is the head of his body. Paul wants us to see that because of our connection with the head, with Jesus, and in our submission to him, it's in that that we will find true cohesion in the church. This togetherness comes from recognizing and accepting that he is the source of unity. He is the one who holds this church 
together. He is the common ground upon which we stand. He is the object of our worship. His fellowship is the objective of our meeting together. His glory is the outcome of our ministry. His name is the thing that gives us our identity. Amen. We are called to minister to one another with these grace gifts that we've been given. We're called to stand up, we're called to speak up, and we're called to grow up. And as we do so, we grow into him. We are to be his hands and feet in this world. And that, brothers and sisters, is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Our passionate desire should be that the church, and therefore Freedom Church, increasingly resembles Jesus. And in our getting equipped, therefore, we're able to do these things. We're able to minister in the fullness of Jesus. We're able to speak with the humility of Jesus and speak with the faithfulness of Jesus. I want to end with some practical stuff that we can do a little bit. And uh, if anybody is on social media, you're aware that I try and make regular two, three-minute videos about what God has been highlighting to me over that past week or so. Uh, and so you've got my mug on, on screen. Um, but in this, in this week, it was about getting equipped. And there's just some very practical things that we can do. So I just want to play this. Uh, and then I'm going to give out the sheets, and then we're done. Hey, how you doing? Here I am again. I am at B&Q. Because I'm going to get something to sort something out in my new house. Um, the, the, the thing I've discovered about new houses is that you, you see a lot of little things that need sorting out. Maybe the previous owners had just got used to living with and, and, and things like that. They're not bad things, they're just things that need sorting out, like changing light switches and doing a little bit of uh, plaster work, you know, filling in cracks and things like that. Um, and um, also the thing is, we, we've, we've, we've bought a couple of new beds and we bought some stuff from Ikea um, that have needed putting up. Now, the message that I want to give this week, I think God has highlighted to me over this, is you need the right tools for the right job. You need to get equipped. Um, in the Bible, I think somewhere in Proverbs, it's something about get, get understanding, uh, get wisdom, um, get equipped for whatever you need to do. So how do we get the understanding? How do we get the wisdom as Christians and how to get equipped in our, in our Christian life? Well, we read the Word. Oh, that's a really good place to start. Um, we spend time with His Spirit, but also, as well, getting engaged properly with your local church community and letting other people uh, speak into your life. Let other people disciple you. So there are loads of ways in which, as Christians, we can get equipped, we can get understanding, we can get wisdom about how to live our lives. So just like myself, uh, and getting the right tools, the right jobs, to getting all these little things sorted, uh, we we can we can get ourselves equipped and get ourselves right in our Christian life and in our Christian walk. Uh, if we if we do those things, we we spend time with God, we read His Word, and we get ourselves plugged into uh, uh, in a really meaningful way a local community of believers, i.e., your local church. All right, guys, God bless, and I'll see you next time. By the way, if you want to do um, one of those videos, do it from above. Don't do it from below. It's not that flattering. Um, 
Okay. I wonder, Dan and Paul, could you give these out to folks? That would be great. Give you those. You've probably not got enough there. Fantastic. Okay. So you can just give those to people. So they are, this is, I said to you last week, this is something that, that Ben Jones primarily put together um, when him and the youth went around York and did some stuff. Um, I've adapted it and changed it slightly and reworded some things um, so it's more applicable to ourselves. Take it home, have a read, ask some of those questions that are at the bottom of your cells and just be challenged. Take it away, stick it up on your fridge. Why do you put it together in the folder where the other one that you've got that you've kept nicely somewhere? Um, <laughs> okay. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.